Word nerd. Wordsmith. Wordy. Wordless. Oxford Dictionary says a word is a single, distinct, meaningful element of speech or writing, used with others or sometimes alone. We say each one matters. No extra words is literature, minimalist style. And we're getting you right to the story. The tiny house on singing wheels on the prairie and the Army Corps of Engineers container by Eldon Righteous. Part of her loft was lopped off due to her tiny house roof slope, but the 79 hours we spent nearly on top of each other only amplified our pairing desires. Then, my orders arrived. Sarge? Sarge, do you have any kids? Yes, nine. Jamie is the oldest. They live with their mothers, Trish, Jinx, and Bunny, in Minnesota, Oregon, and Florida. Do you miss them? To say I miss them would be leaving out a lot. What do you mean? He means the same thing I think I feel about my family. Me too. We even had a sauna, though. Saunas don't mean anything. That's what I'm saying. Sarge, Sarge, did her tiny house on wheels have a sauna? No. But her tiny bathroom had an infrared heat lamp. And shag orange carpeting so plush that I could barely make out the tops of my green slippers. When I asked her what that was all about, she said that if she were to tell me, she would either have to kill me, or we would have to take that archetypal stroll up the church aisle, me filling in for her father, her fiancé standing at the altar, the lady pastor with her perm, plus the nine mixed choir members already picturing our divorce. The wee morning hour my orders arrived. I cut out little letters and attached them with tweezers to the sticky flypaper above her compact GE. So that when she woke, she wouldn't wonder. Exactly. Sarge, Sarge, were you happy or bummed when your orders arrived? Actually, that's something I have yet to settle. Lights out, men. Night. 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 Sarge! Sarge! What is it, Corporal? What are migraine slippers? Migraine slippers? Yeah, you said you could barely see their tops? Not migraine. Green. Migraine slippers. Now let's get some shut-eye. We're due on the tarmac at 0700. Night. 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 Hello there! Welcome to No Extra Words, the flash fiction podcast. My name is Chris Baker Dersh. I'm your producer and editor. In my next life, I really want to be one of those people who's prepared for Christmas. You know, you know the people, right? They've got a box in the back of their closet, and every time all year long that they find a present that they want for someone that they think is the perfect present, they buy it and they stick it in that box so that come the middle of December, when it's time to wrap presents, they pull everything out, they wrap them, and they're done. My mother was one of those people. I am not. And so here I am in the middle of December, and all of my best laid plans for being prepared this time around are crashing around me in a big pile. If you're in the same boat that I am, here's hoping that this can be 20, 25 minutes out of your day that you can just kick back and be entertained. And if I am your present wrapping background, I'm there with you in solidarity. 
Many of you who are regular listeners to the show have heard me read lots of stories, and you may have picked up on the fact that I don't quote-unquote do voices. I like to differentiate the voices of characters, and I'm like this when I was a children's librarian for years. And I'm like this when I read stories to kids, too. I like to differentiate the voices. I like to give meaning to them. But when I quote-unquote do voices, I feel like I'm putting on a show and I feel like it takes away from the story. So I've always been kind of a minimalist when it comes to this character always has to talk in this voice. Because half the time I forget to do it. And then the kids I'm reading will be like, um, Miss Dersh. So... I almost never accept stories that are all dialogue because it's really hard to do without feeling like you're putting on a one-act play all by yourself. But there are exceptions to every rule, and Elden Reich's story is one of those grand exceptions because it's amazing. And so here's hoping that the reading of it was fun for you all and that my doing the voices of the different guys there in that trailer added to and didn't take away from the fun that is that story. Coming up next, we're doing part three of a Christmas serial. Again, this is your holiday escapism. If you missed parts one and two, those are on episodes 69 and 70, respectively. Um, And we're going to jump in and do that now. Part four is coming up next week. Next week is kind of the closest thing to an all Christmas holiday special that we do here. And then we'll be back to regular business in that week before New Year. But in the meantime, stay tuned for part three of a Christmas serial. And I will see you next week here on the No Extra Words podcast. Previously on A Christmas Serial. My brother is an idiot. I mean, seriously, if the kid weren't so gullible, this would not have become a problem. Adam is always going on and on about Santa. I mean, the kid is eight years old. Isn't he too old for all this? So to try to shut him up one night, we went on a joyride in my mom's car to the North Pole, you know? Only we must have taken a wrong turn because we ended up someplace, and these people, they are serious about their Christmas legends. I don't know where we really are. Of course, I don't believe they are elves and this is satisfactory, but we have to behave because the car's out of gas or something, and we have to get home. But Adam, he keeps getting into all kinds of trouble, bothering reindeer, and now he thinks he's going to star in their Christmas show or something. So they are scared of him or pretending to be, and now there's this elf in charge of us who is not a happy guy and Adam's nervous. I don't know what about. I mean, he's four foot something. I can take it. But anyway, if Adam would just stop bothering people and taking every word they say as gospel, we'd be home by now. Except I'm not really sure how. A Christmas Serial Part 3 When They Cancelled Christmas Gerald sat in his office and fumed. The nerve of them. The absolute nerve. Gerald had earned his place in Christmastown the hard way. He had lived and worked there for hundreds of years, and he had been faithful. He had a degree from Pumpkin Pie Spice College and had begun his career as a weather specialist, redirecting storms and minimizing weather impacts on major human population centers. All these years later, he was still pretty good with weather. He had been one of the first elves hired at the newly minted factory to take on the ambitious Christmas Project, as it was known in those days. He had overseen the town's name change to Christmas Town and had been on the team that selected the first Santa, 
a kindly gentleman named Nicholas, who had few human attachments and could be safely brought north without major security impacts. Gerald had become Nicholas's trusted advisor, and together they had laid out the security rules which still governed Christmastown. Gerald started as Santa's assistant and had been promoted four times to reach his current post. His career had flourished. Up until last July, when Santa had hired Alexander, a new graduate of the college, as his chief of staff. They had never needed a chief of staff before, and if they needed one now, surely he, Gerald, would have been a better choice than Alexander, a shy elf who was usually at a loss for words. Obviously, this Santa, who had to be reaching the end of his tenure by now, had a different way of running things. Gerald tried to be a good elf, tried to help the new kid get into the swing of things at the factory, but this was too much. He hadn't realized that he had fallen so far from his days of second-in-command. He was a babysitter. No worse. He was a babysitter for human children. His charges were in Karen's office. Gerald was refusing to go near them until absolutely necessary, praying that Karen would keep them out of trouble. He didn't really trust her. She had no appreciation of how dangerous these humans could be. He wondered if he could risk sending them home. Frustrated, he flipped through a stack of messages on his desk. One near the bottom caught his eye. Gerald, teacher Patty from Little Stockings Primary School has called six times re-security breach. Please deal with her, Gwen. Gerald sighed. Not even Gwen was dependable in this situation. Well, at least someone seemed to know how urgent this was, even if the someone in question did not work at the factory. There was a knock on the door and Gerald's head jerked up. He was prepared to give Gwen a tongue-lashing for interrupting, but it wasn't Gwen standing in the doorway. The elf was tiny and the most gorgeous creature Gerald had ever seen. She was dressed simply with her long hair tucked behind her pointy ears, and she fiddled nervously with a gold chain around her neck. Gerald was, for once in his life, speechless. I'm so sorry. I do not wish to bother you. I left you some messages. Patty? Gerald guessed. I'm sorry. I've intruded. I should go. No! Gerald leapt toward her so quickly she jumped. You aren't bothering me in the... I'm just getting my messages now. Please. Please come in. Sit down. He gestured at a chair covered with overflowing file folders. Thank you. She sat gingerly amidst the chaos. He was now looking directly into her eyes and found it somewhat difficult to speak. I would never think of bothering someone as important as you if this weren't a matter of grave concern. I'm afraid I may have lost my temper with your boss earlier, and I was afraid I wouldn't be taken seriously. But there are good reasons for being wary of humans. Her voice shook with emotion. I teach very young elf children, and there have been many rumors. Any disturbance is very hard on them. When one of my students, an excellent child if somewhat high-strung, began to repeat these rumors, I felt compelled to investigate. I'm afraid the rumors are true, said Gerald, and wanted to kick himself. He was director of security and communications. What on earth was he doing? He needed to be reassuring. He needed to be in control. He needed to not look into Patty's lovely eyes as they filled with tears. He cleared his throat and shuffled papers on his desk. Protecting you, <clears throat> protecting your students is my highest priority, he said. I'm glad to hear you say that, Patty hesitated. I know that Christmas is a high priority for you. The factory is the centerpiece of our town. Some of my own family members work here, and someday many of my students will as well. But of course Christmas cannot become more important than elf safety. I would never allow that, Gerald reassured her. Of course, she turned towards the door, then glanced back at him. I would not presume to do your job, but has it occurred to anyone to place a hold on Christmas? The papers in Gerald's hand slipped to the floor. 
You mean cancel it? Well, not permanently, of course, but with the security problems, it just seems more hazardous than usual. That may be, but we have things under control. Of course. She glanced at the sheaf of papers now scattered on the floor. I was merely thinking that providing Christmas at another safer time of year might be prudent. We need not depend upon the human calendar. I, Gerald stammered, I can't cancel Christmas. I don't have the power to do that. As soon as the words left his mouth, he regretted them. Of course not. It was merely an idea. You are in charge of security, so you seem to be the one to ask. I wonder if Alexander might- I'll take care of it, Gerald said. The minute the words left his mouth, he knew they were true. He was in charge of the Christmas Eve security forces. He was in charge of double-checking the route. Together with his staff, he created the time continuum, organized the details, and ensured the distractions that made the ride possible. And of course, weather was his specialty. It was all within his jurisdiction. And without all that, Christmas wouldn't happen. Couldn't happen. The phone on Gerald's desk buzzed, startling him. He grabbed it. Gerald here. Gerald, it's Karen. Are you coming by my office? The boys are still here. Certainly, ma'am. Right away. Gerald smiled as he put the phone down. Without Christmas, he could focus on getting those boys out of the way, the safest way possible, in order to ensure security in the elfin world. They would be fine in Siberia. Not knowing the language would just make them better workers. There was a lot of space out there to lose them in. Don't worry, Patty, he said again. I'll take care of everything. Adam was not used to being the troublemaker. That was Kevin's job. Kevin was familiar with the layout of the detention room, knew the punishment for being sent home from school with a note from the teacher, and had been the cause of their mother's gray hair, so she told him. Adam was a well-behaved kid. Sure, he was a smooth talker who had more than once convinced other kids to give him their lunch money or a turn on a playground toy known as the zipper, but these were minor offenses and it was easy to see that the adults who punished him were also laughing a little bit. In Christmas Town, Adam was always being asked to stay in, or stay out, or sit, or not move. It was about as much fun as the dentist. Here he was, once again, sitting outside the action. The action in this case was Alexander's office, in which Gerald had scheduled a hurried meeting. Adam tried to sit quietly while Kevin figured out the best spot to listen in on the conversation. Adam was curious, but he would not move from his spot. He had had enough talking tos for one day. The news was not good. I can't hear everything they're saying, Kevin reported, but the topic is definitely whether or not to cancel Christmas. Cancel Christmas? Adam had known it was bad, but this was seriously bad. Because of me? Well, not just you, said Kevin. Us, I guess. It's not you, said a voice, startling both boys. Standing next to the bench Adam was sitting on was a very old elf. How had they not noticed him standing there? Had he appeared out of nowhere? Thus far, the elves they had seen had looked a lot like human children, although they were easy to recognize because they talked like adults and their ears were pointy. This elf looked more like the ones Adam remembered from the Christmas picture books his mother had read to him when he was little. The elf's beard was long, wavy, and gray. His eyes were surrounded by pools of wrinkles. He leaned on a cane, even, and moved like an old man, making Adam wonder how he had managed to sneak up on them. "'How do you know?' he asked. The Adam of six hours ago would have trusted an elf without question— but he had met a few of them since then. "'Because this has been coming for a long time,' said the elf. "'Something has been lost in Christmas Town. "'The fear, anger, and stress that you are seeing is a sign of that. "'You being here didn't cause it. "'You are just a reminder of sorts. "'I have lived here a long time, and I have seen this coming.' "'Are you like a wizard or something?' "'Kevin was suspicious. 
The elf smiled, and the lines around his eyes deepened. No, I am called Duncan. I am nothing special, just a very old elf. I used to be something of a... Well, that doesn't matter much. People don't listen to old men anyway. They don't listen to kids either, said Adam. I'm not going to do anything to them, honest. I just wanted to see what it was like here. But it isn't any fun. I want to go home. That's just the trouble, said Duncan. If Christmas isn't fun here, it never could be in the human world. It used to be fun. It is meant to be fun. But it has become so stressful, so busy, so organized. We have lost our way. I think the humans have, too. I certainly hear a lot more stress and a lot less merry. Hear how? Do you spy on the humans? Duncan laughed. Spy isn't the right word. Observe, maybe. For their own good. It is my job. I'm something of a muse. I keep an eye on what happens in the human world and use my powers as an elf to make it better, more elf-like. Lately, though, it seems we elves are becoming more human-like instead. What does that have to do with us? asked Kevin. You are children. And children is what Christmas is supposed to be about. It could be that you have an opportunity to remind these elves what they are working for. How are we supposed to do that? Well, if Christmas has been cancelled, that means everybody has a night off with nothing to do. A Christmas party might do the trick. Is that all? Kevin rolled his eyes. A party? Duncan smiled. To a child, a night off purely for celebration and fun is simple. Adults, even elves, often need a little push to get them going. I think you might be just the ones to push them. Kevin snorted. If there's one thing Adam can do, it's push people into doing things. Reminds me of someone, mused Duncan. Who? demanded Adam. Duncan looked at the door to Alexander's office, almost as if he could see through it. If I told you, he murmured to himself, you would never believe me. Rochelle broke her own rule and peeked through the crack between the closed curtains to see how large the audience was. Everybody was there. Kevin sat in front of his brother looking bored. Gerald was next to Patty in the teacher seats. Marvin was munching on a candy cane in the back row and spreading shards of red and white candy everywhere. Alexander paced back and forth next to Marvin, fiddling with one of his large and very pointy ears. Even Santa was there, sitting next to his wife and looking like his jolly self in spite of everything. The older kids performed first, opening with Jolly Old St. Nicholas, and then an old elf tune in a language Adam didn't understand. The preschoolers did a version of Santa Claus's Come Into Town, which caused great hilarity among the Christmas Town audience, in particular Santa himself. The primary grades then came on for their numbers leading up to the show's finale. Jingle Bells went only slightly better than it had in rehearsal, but the audience was kind and gave the kids resounding applause. As Adam made his way on stage for his solo, everyone was on the edge of their seats. Rochelle, who was standing in the orchestra pit, turned to the audience and smiled. From that distance, no one could tell how nervous she was. "'We have a special treat for you tonight,' she announced in her director voice. "'A, um, solo. This is Adam from Centerville, with his version of A Christmas Carol Silent Night.' Adam stood on stage for a minute, unable to move. Then he thought about how small the members of his audience were which made him smile. It was Christmastown, after all, and despite his disillusionment with the place, anything was possible in Christmastown. He cleared his throat and began to sing. The audience was unfamiliar with the carol, but they were entranced through all three verses. When he finished the last Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, many of the elves were crying. 
The sleigh had been rolled off stage and the kids were in Santa hats for We Wish You a Merry Christmas. The audience breathed a little easier, still shaky from Adam's song. By the time the kids from both schools took the stage for the final number, Winter in Christmastown, the room felt normal again. Rochelle waved from center stage. We really want to thank everyone for coming tonight. It was a joy to have you all here. We hope you'll join us in February for Peter Pan. Have a great night, everyone. Wait, called Adam running downstage. Wait, before you go, we have something to say. His eyes searched the audience for Duncan, who met his gaze and calmed him. I... I know that a lot of you have tomorrow off and weren't expecting it. He tried not to look at Gerald. And I really am sorry about that. But we, that is, my brother and I and some friends, again, he glanced at Duncan, we want to invite you to a party. A Christmas party. A celebration. At the factory. Not much of a party if you're having it in that place, called a voice from somewhere in the audience. But it will be, insisted Adam with all the stubbornness of his eight years. There will be food and friends and nothing but fun. I can promise you that. So you should come. The doors will be open and... He glanced helplessly at Rochelle. How do I, um, end? She smiled and blew her whistle pitch pipe with a song. In her clear voice, she started, Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind... The song was unfamiliar to Adam, who had never been able to stay awake for New Year's, but the audience picked it up quickly. Should old acquaintance be forgot and old lang syne? And they left as everyone should leave a concert, singing. You were wonderful. Duncan greeted Adam with a bear hug his fragile frame did not seem capable of. The party is going to solve it all, isn't it, Duncan? asked Adam. The party is going to be marvelous, and we may be able to sneak in Christmas after all. Duncan eyed Gerald, who was making his way to an exit holding Patty's hand. I had the most wonderful chat with Marvin here, and we have an idea. But we are going to need your help, and Kevin's help, and Alexander's, and Karen's, and even one or two of your fellow performers' help as well. His eyes fixed on Justine, who was talking earnestly with Rochelle about her ideas for next year's concert. What do you think, Adam? "'Interested in saving Christmas?' Adam nodded without hesitation. "'Good,' said Duncan decidedly, "'because we haven't got a moment to lose.' "'No way.' Alexander shook his head so hard his cap slid down over one pointy ear. "Uh "'Uh-uh. Sorry. Not gonna happen.' "'It's a good idea,' insisted Adam. "'That's easy for you to say. "'You're not trying to make it through your first Christmas, "'which, by the way, has been cancelled, "'while dealing with the ghost of Christmas past in there.' Alexander jerked his thumb in the direction of Gerald's office. Plus, even if I did agree, which I never would, who would we convince to do it? Adam and Duncan exchanged glances. Marvin, they said together. Alexander rolled his eyes. You've both gone crazy. Marvin would take out the whole factory. It has to be him, said Adam. He knows the reindeer, and he's the only one in the place with a head big enough to wear the outfit. Plus, he's more coordinated in the air than on the ground. He'd almost have to be, said Duncan mildly. Alexander scratched his head. Even if we could fool the floor leads and some of the line workers, Gerald would see right through it. He'd stop it before it got started. Adam looked at Duncan. That's why we're planning the whole thing for while Gerald is... away. He never goes anywhere, sputtered Alexander. We might as well wait 500 years because he never goes home. I don't know if he even has a home. No one has ever seen Gerald anywhere but here. He'll leave, said Duncan. Trust me. But 
We have no security clearances. Alexander looked around his office in panic. No protections, no magical shield, no recall lock on the time continuum. No one can properly set up security for a delivery sleigh ride except Gerald. If we try it, we will be discovered. Someone, somewhere, will see us. That would be inevitable. The conservatives have worried about this for years. So someone sees something, Duncan shrugged. So what? So what? squeaked Alexander. That's your answer? There was concern that we would be finished when you cleared a road for Adam and Kevin, said Duncan calmly. But we are still here. At the moment, the biggest threat to Christmas is not the humans. It is us. It's just possible that we haven't given the humans enough credit. You're not old enough to remember when we first started doing Christmas around here. But back then it was quite simple. We loaded the sleigh and sent Nicholas to where he was needed the most. We had a few magical protections, but no computers, no naughty and nice center, no shield. And there were sightings. There's a whole collection of them in the library if you care to look. Poems and stories written by humans who had contact. Some wonderful writings. Christmas is a magical night, and we trusted that any magic the humans saw would only make their Christmas merrier. Separation between the human and elf worlds used to be about magic, and everyone doing their jobs. Not about fear. Over the years, as security has tightened, worry has increased. We don't trust the humans at all, which is ironic because it is their holiday that is at the center of our lives. And it is this mistrust that puts the whole thing at risk now. We have a choice. We can trust the humans, believe most of them to be like young Adam here, pure of heart and ready for Christmas. Or we can build walls to ensure that Christmas, and therefore our entire world, will never be the same again. That choice falls to you, Alexander. No one else can make it. Coming up next week on the conclusion of a Christmas serial. The plan is in place, but it puts pressure on some unlikely elves. Will Santa's reindeer fly? Have we seen our last Christmas? Will Adam and Kevin end up in Siberia? Tune in next week to the final installment of a Christmas serial here on the No Extra Words podcast. <laughs>